0: All right, I need a vote and a show of hands on this issue. How many of you would call yourself a serial procrastinator? Procrastinator, rate them up high. All right, let's not be okay. Now, now here's what I want to know: of you that are procrastinators, some of you are all the non-procrastinators are looking at everyone else there with judging eyes, like, oh, no, you're one of those people. Remind me not to ask you to do anything for me, okay? But how many of you, you tend to procrastinate because you think that you do your best work under pressure and stress? Come on, bring it. That's what I like. All right. No, it's just a few people that are deceived. It's awesome. No, I just wanted to see which one's that. No, No. okay, this is true of actually every person, whether you're a procrastinator or not. When you and I get into places of high stress or when we get put into the pressure cooker, so to speak. Uh, it's in those places and it's in those times that whatever is actually in us really comes out. You ever, you've all, We've all been there, you've all experienced when the pressure cooker is on, the things that are in you, good or bad, will come out of you. And sometimes you've probably been in, under stressful things and there have been some things that have come to the surface and you're like, that's a little embarrassing. I've got some things to, I've got some issues to work through. But you've also been in those places where the stress has been laid down on you and you really rose to the, to the surface. You, you kind of came up and you saw great things come out of you in a, a difficult or a stressful situation. The truth is, though, that those kinds of moments pull out of us what's actually in us. What I want us to take a look at this morning is to be able to see this moment where Jesus himself is actually on the cross, there is no greater pressure cooker, if you will. There's no greater moment of stress, actually, in all of human history for the perfect, beautiful son of God to be hanging on a cross. And the wrath, if you will, of the father against sin is being applied to Jesus in this moment. And he's taking on our sin. It's at this moment, if you will, I want you to think about this. He's taking on my, my sin, taking on all that will call on his name for all time, all time before and all time from that moment. He's bearing the weight, the perfect son of God, and that pressure is on him. And he only says a few things in that moment. But what comes out of him is so unbelievably powerful. It's something worth looking at. When you see Jesus, if you will, into the pressure cooker, what comes out of him? And this is what we get to see in Luke chapter 23. And we won't, in fact, I actually did a series about a year and a half ago on the statements that Jesus made on the cross. But I want to relook at one of these statements that he makes, just one of them this morning. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34 On the cross, we see what is inside of Jesus coming out of him in this pressurized situation. And what we see is in the heart of God. And he says this, Father, he's talking to the Father. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. I love to see what's kind of coming out of the heart of Jesus. Now, the question is this. Now, who's he talking about here? Is he talking about, the Jewish religious authorities at the time that had seemed to sentence him to death? Is he talking about the Roman authorities or the ones that are actually doing this corporal punishment, this act of crucifixion against him? Maybe and certainly all of those things, but I just wanna submit to you, and I think what we'll see all throughout scripture is that when Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he isn't just talking about the people that are there in that moment. He's speaking of you and me that we're a part, the the part that he says, forgive them, that includes me. In fact, if you got your Bible, you can even circle that. When it says forgive them, it means us, it includes us. Now, you can technically go, well, how do you know actually what, He's saying, how do you know that the, the, that forgiveness, that they know not what they do is about us? How do you know that? The answer is this, because forgiveness is in the heart of the Father. It's who he is. Last week, I mentioned scripture Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Isaiah 1:18. Come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow though they are red as crimson they will be like wool this is who god is this is what he does acts chapter 10 all the prophets testify about jesus that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name god is about forgiveness it's who he is it's in his nature. He's looking to give it away. So what Jesus is in that moment, he says, Father, forgive them. He isn't just saying, man, these guys right here don't understand. What he's saying is the world really doesn't capture and understand the weight of what's going on in their own lives, but I'm asking you, Father, to forgive them. They'll never know. In fact, I think one of the great, uh, one of the great revelations that we will ever have when we get to see Jesus face to face and recognize the weight of our brokenness and what it meant for Jesus to take it from us. I think it'll be one of the great revelations we'll have is when we see Jesus and we'll know how amazing and beautiful he was and how broken we were apart from him and seeing his goodness over our lives. Jesus is absolutely about forgiveness. Therefore, we fully honor God when we receive his forgiveness. Now, let me say this again. If you want to honor God with your life, listen to me. Receiving the forgiveness of God is paramount. It is a way that we honor him. Jesus did not go to the cross so that we could continue to whip ourselves emotionally for our brokenness. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I could experience the power of forgiveness and walk out in freedom. It's what he did for us. So therefore, we receive fully his forgiveness by actually forgiving ourselves, receiving it, and saying, I am, and living as a person who is forgiven. Because the truth is this, listen, we can nod our head. We've probably heard, in fact, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard a sermon on forgiveness and you can hear, man, God forgives us and we can nod our head and we can say, amen, pastor. That sounds awesome. Listen, but when we get past all the surfacey stuff, when we go kind of past all this up here and we go down to the depth and we get honest about the thoughts that we have, what often comes up is we think yeah I, yeah i know i know that god forgives people and i know that's what he does and i'm i'm sure he probably forgives me and i don't have any problem with that really at all i just don't know if i can actually forgive myself for what i've done and this is a a, a mentality that we will often bring to it man that sounds good that god does that work of forgiveness but i just don't i don't know that i could actually really receive it and 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 though we might not say that out loud, what actually happens is we find ourselves living in such a way where we're not walking in the forgiveness of God. We can say, yeah, I believe in the forgiveness of God, but what we're not actually functioning in is in any kind of real freedom that comes from the forgiveness of the cross. And though we're not meaning to do it in any way, form, or fashion, it's not like we're trying to do it. We actually dishonor Jesus and his sacrifice by not receiving the full forgiveness of God. As nobody wants to do it that way, but let me tell you, Jesus didn't hang on a cross so that we can stay broken in chains. Jesus went to the cross to go, son and daughter, come out alive, victorious, forgiven. But in order to do that, we have to receive that forgiveness and we've got to begin to forgive ourselves. If you ever think, I don't know if you've ever thought about when Jesus Jesus is being pressed by the religious authorities and they say, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he actually doesn't answer with just one. He actually answers with two. He says, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord, your God, with everything you've got inside of you. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as your, everybody say, as yourself, as yourself, indicates something right here. That our capacity to love our neighbor, to do the great commandment, if you will, to love God and to love people, the ability to love our neighbor is hinged upon how much we actually love ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself, meaning this, if you live in a place of self-loathing, church, you're capped in your ability to walk out in the power of the life that God has for you and for me. This is at the center of the beauty of the gospel. This is what it means to receive The good news. The good news is this. We were an absolute abject mess. But God in his mercy and goodness came and he took it on himself so that we could be free in him. That's what he wants to do. We can't give away to others what we're unwilling to receive from the Father. We can't give love unless we're willing to receive love. We can't give forgiveness if we're not willing to receive forgiveness. And in the, in, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the hard thing of forgiving other people. In fact, I've probably, you're like, I don't know if I'm gonna go on next Sunday. That might be hard to get out of bed, right? I just tipped my cap. We're gonna be talking about how to forgive other people. I can guarantee you this. You can come next week and we can talk through forgiving other people, but forgiveness of other people in our lives and the freedom that comes from that will not take place until we first are willing to receive it. We've gotta be willing to receive the forgiveness of God and for ourselves to, to, to forgive ourselves for what has taken place more than we want to admit we struggle with this issue of forgiveness and we we start to kind of wonder well why is that why is it that we struggle to actually receive the forgiveness of god if we were meant to be forgiven if jesus was on the cross for the purpose of us receiving forgiveness then why is it so difficult for us to actually receive it and walk in it so what i want to do is i'm just going to go briefly through a few things, a few reasons I think we see from Scripture, reasons why we struggle to receive forgiveness. We'll go through that, and then we're just going to spend the end of our time actually receiving the forgiveness of God, fresh and new, and that's what we're going to do this morning, all right? A couple of reasons, a couple a couple things. Why do we struggle to receive forgiveness? Number one, because sometimes we're not really totally certain about sin, not totally certain uh, about sin. What I mean by that is listen, have you ever found yourself justifying something that you did wrongly because maybe you thought, well, maybe it, it might be okay, or, or maybe I had to do something in order to fix something else? You ever found yourself, like, I, I actually have a confession, I'll make a confession. This is not good. Just came back from Israel, got to go to many incredible places, and so. You go to these, I mean, you're, you go to these places that it's like, it's thousands of years, old. So there's Jesus, places where Jesus walked himself, and you feel the, how, how powerful it is and how amazing it is, and, uh, and again, we're going to uh, be offering uh, opportunities for our church body to go over and partner with what God is doing in Israel, but we're there, and so you're at these places, and you're going, man, I just want a memento. Of this, I'm standing in this place that's holy and sacred. It's beautiful. It's powerful. God's done really incredible. God, Jesus did amazing things here. And so what I what I thought is, I really want a leaf from this place. I just wanted to have like a little memento, like a leaf from this place. But there's a sign that was like, "Hey, please don't touch the plants," because we're actually at the Garden Tomb, and it's like a lush garden everywhere, right? And this is a potential site for where Jesus was. Um, crucified and then buried. And we're at this beautiful place. And so there was this one little plant off to the side. And I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if this leaf counts so I went over and just a little bit, it was a little little leaf like this. Just just want to press this little leaf out of my Bible. I'm a sinner. I'm sorry, I'm just confessing to you. I took a leaf, even though I think there was a sign that says, don't touch the leaves. Because really, if the millions of people that go through all took the leaves, it would no longer be a garden tomb. It would just be a wasteland with a tomb. So that's not, and that nobody wants to go to that, right? So anyway, but so you, you can often go, and what we do is we can justify little things that we do. And often, let's think, uh, to be honest about the culture that we live in, we actually live in what we call this uh, relativistic culture where uh, this moral relativism has kind of sprung up and what I mean by that is this, there's this common idea that well, it might be wrong for you but it's right for me or it might be Uh, wrong for me, but maybe it's right for you. And we live in this kind of quasi, we're not sure what's right and wrong world. When you live in this kind of relativistic culture and society, what it's easy to do is go, well, I'm not really sure about this or that, but maybe we'll be okay. And what we find ourselves often doing is we're not really sure where we stand on things. And if we don't allow the word of God to come rise up and to speak with clarity and truth to what is right and wrong, then we find ourselves in this in-between place in, in sin. We're not really sure, or we're not, we might be find ourselves confused about it. And what happens is, is we live in the most prosperous nation, in the most prosperous time in the history of civilization. And yet, inside, what we find is we're not okay. And we look for a hundred things to try to make our hearts okay. We look for relationships and we look for success and we look for substances and we look for all kinds of things, sex or whatever the thing is. We're looking for all the things to try to make our hearts okay. We have all the stuff. We have more stuff in the history of all civilizations and we're not okay. And what we know deep down inside is that something's not right. And we can live in the moral in-between somehow. As often as it's, it's easy to do to live in the moral in-between, but what we find is that issue, that thing behind in the back of our minds that's eating us up. Something deep inside knows this. Here's what we know. I need forgiveness. And so if we're halfway about the issue of sin, if you found yourself being halfway about the issue of sin, I can promise you this, it'll continue to eat, eat us up. That's one of the reasons, it's one of the things that keeps us from actually receiving forgiveness is not just being gut level honest with the Lord and saying, I'm broken, I have sin. And owning it and saying, Lord, I need, to, I need you to take this from me. Secondly, we may not really be settled on where we're at with Jesus. Might not be settled on the issue of sin, but you might not be settled on the issue of Jesus. And I'm, what I mean by that is this, 78% of the people that live in America say that they're Christian, 78%. I mean, I think that you feel the weight of our culture beginning to shift in a way where I think it's pretty clear that the idea of following Jesus or living for Jesus or being obedient to the word of God or or who he is and what he says and what he asks of our lives is kind of almost a side thing. It's maybe if I feel like it, But you have the truth of Jesus' words, even about himself. In Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And even as you take and understand this first century Term of hate really to mean, meaning actually love less, doesn't not utterly despise, it's not what Jesus is talking about. We still know what Jesus is trying to communicate here. There is a seriousness of what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus, there's an intentionality of what it means to be a follower, to understanding who he is and what he means in our lives. And so, listen, if Jesus is a side thing. If Jesus is a side thing, something that we kind of do on Sunday morning, uh, then we'll find ourselves struggling with the issue of forgiveness, receiving forgiveness from God. The issue actually gets a little muddled. And so actually what rises to the surface is the question, in your heart, do you feel a call of allegiance and obedience to the Son of God? That's the call, that's the press because when we do, what it does is it brings forgiveness into alignment and the ability to actually receive it comes because we know who the king is and who the king or the queen is not and we understand the mercy that's being given to our lives and then we can open ourselves up to receive the forgiveness of God. The beautiful thing is, the, this, the good news is you, you, this issue can be settled. If Jesus is a side thing, you can turn your hand over even today and say, I don't want this to be a side thing anymore. I want to follow Jesus with my whole life. It brings such clarity and understanding to our lives. It's a powerful truth, something that God gives to us in a moment. It's the beauty of who he is. Third reason we struggle to forgive ourselves is because I knew better. And we've all found ourselves in this place, right? So you can, use, you can actually use the text that we've been looking at uh, in, in verse 34, where he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you can think, well, yeah, but I know some of the sin that I do, some of the things that I do on purpose, some of the things that I've done willfully. Those are things that I, I did, not out of ignorance, but I just did because of for whatever reason, we find ourselves wrestling over and over again, wrestling through the things uh, that we know to be wrong and we're fighting against. And we go, can I really? I mean, I knew better than to do what I did. I knew that what I was looking at on the computer wasn't okay. Or I knew that the words that I was speaking were gonna be harmful or spiteful. Or I knew that I shouldn't have taken that. Or I knew I shouldn't have gone there. And those things that we know inside. And we decide that since we, no better than God's word or his heart or his ideas that we have to punish ourselves. And this is not something that we would often talk about out loud, but this is something that is very much a reality in our own lives, is that we feel the weight of needing to punish ourselves for that which we have done before the Lord. In our own weakness, in our own failure, in our own sin, decisions that we've made, and yet we have this reminder, right? You have Jesus doing three years of ministry. You're, you have this moment where Jesus himself, I want you to think about this, Jesus himself is hanging on the cross. For three years, he pours his life into 12 men, giving everything, saying, listen, I'm going to give away to you. I'm going to pour into you you're going to be my disciples come follow me i'm going to teach and train you and they're all like hey this sounds awesome jesus you come on up you do your thing we're going to take over the uh, we're going to take over the romans we're going to claim back the land and then he starts to say some stuff he goes no listen the son of man is going to suffer and he's going to die and they look at him and they go jesus you're crazy Peter is the one that actually speaks up, but he says in Matthew 26, truly I tell you this very night before, uh, Jesus says, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times and look what Peter said to him. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter gets the bad rap because he spoke up, but all the disciples are all going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if we have to die, guess how many of them are hanging around when Jesus is on the cross? One. They've scattered. They left. In that darkest moment of Jesus' life, the greatest betrayal is among his closest friends, if you will. And Jesus is looking on their own brokenness, their own cowardice, if you will their willful decision to run away from him and not stand for him, all right? It's that moment, right? Not standing for Jesus, not standing for who he was or what he had called them to be and to do. And does he chastise them? Or does he ever even say like, I told you so. You ever see in the scripture, he says, I told you so. Never, ever once looks on this massive failure, right? This is one of the great failures recorded in all of the scripture. He never looks at them and says, How could you do that to me? You knew better. Why did you do that? You said you would be with me. Never once does he ever say that. What does he say? Luke 24. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said, peace to you. Peace. This is the declaration of Jesus over our lives. Forgiveness is for those that even knew knew better than to do what they did. Forgiveness is offered to those that have fallen in the place of willful sin and brokenness. And it's actually the kindness of God. In fact, somebody prayed that this morning. Our, our prayer team come before the service and we were praying and just the words, the, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I want you to hear this. If you've been, Wrestling with areas of willful sin, as we all do in many ways and in many different times. If you found yourself struggling there, let me tell you what will break off a cycle of I knew better and I shouldn't have done that. And I don't I don't deserve to receive the forgiveness of God. Opening your hands up and saying, Lord, would you shower me with your kindness and letting the forgiveness of God wash you clean and getting a new lease on life? That is who Jesus is. He's not the one that berates the disciples. He's the one that says to the disciples, follow me, feed my sheep, is what he says to Peter. Come in. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Walk out in your calling, gifting. I'm for you, I forgive you. Next, sometimes we struggle to forgive ourselves because we actually want to do it ourselves. What I mean by that is um, uh, there's reading a story about a pastor um, in Europe who had uh, walked away from the faith. He was actually a, a pastor in ministry, and he walked away from the faith. He totally and actually completely and utterly disavowed Jesus altogether. And, of course, this is actually happening in our culture more and more. I don't know you've, you've, if you kind of keep up with things that are going on in the headlines, and you'll see people, they're walking away from Jesus, literally disavowing their their very faith. This pastor disavows his faith and he actually denies Jesus. And he left his church and he left a lot of people really hurt. But as Jesus is so good to do, he actually grips this pastor's heart. This pastor actually ends up repenting and God draws him back to himself And the pastor's struggling through, the pastor's struggling through, knowing that he had walked away from the faith. And so he actually said to a friend as I was reading the story, now I understand and believe, and I believe. He says, now I understand and I believe, but I look back to the years in which I was away from the Lord and I hate the kind of life I lived. I cannot forgive myself for what I have done. That's what he said. And his friend looks over at him with his answer and he says, But who are you to forgive yourself? Who gives you authority to forgive yourself? You have to obtain the forgiveness of the Lord and to make sure that you have it. This this is the crux of of the matter. When we refuse to truly forgive what God has forgiven in us, then actually what we're saying is, is we have greater authority than you do over our lives. To not receive the forgiveness of God or to say, no, I, I, I actually am not worth the forgiveness of God is actually to stand in a place of authority to say that my authority goes beyond God's authority and it's something that I have to do. It's beyond what Jesus did, meaning that Jesus is somehow, his forgiveness is not quite good enough and that I have to somehow come into the place of being able to do it, of being able to own my own forgiveness and what Jesus is saying is, hey, that's not, that's not the gospel. The gospel is you come unto me and here's what I speak over your life. That the cross is sufficient for your brokenness and your sin and it's sufficient for mine. That there is no, if you will, penance that we have to pay in order to purchase our own forgiveness. And so we have to let go of trying to somehow control it ourselves, but we open our hands up to receive it fresh and new. That's what the gospel of Jesus is. That's what the good news is that God did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We cannot do it for ourselves. Only the beauty and the majesty of Jesus and His work for us is good enough, and so we worship Him. We honor, we honor, we worship and we honor Jesus by receiving His forgiveness. It's a, it is an act of worship to receive the forgiveness of God and walk out in trust. It's an act of honor to the king of the universe. And so this is what we do. We'll finish up with this. Let's say yes and be honest about our sin. Be real about the things that have kept us at a distance from the Lord. Be honest about it because we were wrong in it and it violated the character of holy God. Let's own it and say that this is where we've been. Let's say yes to being a follower, not just agreeing to the fact that Jesus is out there, but that, he, that we've entered into a beautiful, powerful, life-giving relationship with him. And then let's come before him and say, yes. Yes, I have sin. Yes, I believe you're the king and authority of my life. And yes, what you did on the cross was sufficient to make me clean today, to make me whole today. To make me alive today and to give me fresh outlook on life for the days ahead. Yes to all of those things. Owning all of it, not hiding in shame and brokenness. Coming before the Lord and asking him to do what he, only what he can do. The thing that we cannot do for ourselves. That's what we want to do. Receive that forgiveness. Walk in it. And let the light of Jesus move us forward. I'm going to ask our team to come up. We're going to finish up with this. I want you to take a look in 19, actually in 1633. Famous uh, famous artist Rembrandt painted a, a portrait or a, painted a picture called uh, the Raising of the Cross. We'll throw this picture up here. Say so, uh, a picture again. Obviously a, a very famous painter, and he's. You see him, Jesus being raised up on the cross in this picture, and you see all kinds of different people around him. You see some of the religious authorities and Roman authorities there, but you see one guy right in the middle that looks a little bit different than everyone else, Like kind of like Sesame Street, one of these things does not look like the other, right? And at the very center of this painting, these people are putting Jesus on the cross, but at the center, you see this one man. He doesn't look like anyone else. You know who that is? That's Rembrandt. Painted himself, put himself right into the center and said, listen, listen. All right, this is probably, this might be the first selfie in all of human history. I don't know, right? But here's what he wanted to say. Listen, I'm not going to skirt the issue. I don't want to pretend like I don't have sin or I, I'm not going to pretend like I, don't ha- I haven't fallen vastly short or that it wasn't my sin that didn't put Jesus on that cross. So that when Jesus looks down, I think he had the right idea. When Jesus looked down and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I know Rembrandt said, I'm the them. Father, forgive me. For every way I've put Jesus on the cross and the ways that I know willfully I did it and every way that we put our sin, put Jesus on the cross that we didn't know. But what we wanna own is this. Lord Jesus, we are in desperate need of your forgiveness to walk in it and receive it and live out of it. Not just to hear, I want you to hear this church, not just to say, yeah, I know God forgives people, but hear this, to believe In the inner man, I am forgiven. I forgive myself, hear this, I forgive myself because the king of the universe has forgiven me. I don't walk in a greater authority than he does. Whatever he says over my life goes. Whatever Jesus declares over my life is final. Yes and amen. And here's what he says, father, forgive them. Would you guys stand with me? We're just gonna finish this morning and we have an opportunity to sing, but here's what I want you to do. As you're singing, would you before the Lord open your heart up to just receiving the fresh forgiveness of God? And I just wanna say, if if you're in the sin, you've never sought to ask Jesus to forgive you. This is a moment you can say Literally right now, come into a fresh, life-giving relationship with Jesus and receive his goodness. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Father, right now, would you open each one of us up to receiving fresh the forgiveness of God? Jesus, your forgiveness over our lives. We choose not to be our own authority or try to control this issue of forgiveness. We actually just open ourselves up when we receive it fresh. In fact, I just, even where you're at, if you can even see, uh, if you will, your heart opening up. Maybe you've had an exterior, maybe you've had God at an arm's distance because you've been walking in real willful sin. You've been choosing to walk your own way and you think, well, I don't know that the forgiveness of God is for me because I knew better. The Lord wants to grab you and say, listen, son, I'm for you. I'm here to forgive you and to make you new, to give you power to overcome sin. But the power to overcome sin comes first from the forgiveness of the King of the universe, being made whole and being made right. Would you just see yourself receiving now the fresh gift of forgiveness from the cross that Jesus says he was there. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. His prayer to the Father. Father, forgive them no longer hold their sin against them. I receive and take their sin and I give to them my righteousness. I give to them my perfection. Lord, we receive your goodness. We receive your goodness. We receive your goodness. Receive his goodness right now, church. I take it on. The beauty of Jesus is yours. The perfection of Jesus is yours. The righteousness of Jesus is yours. The power of Jesus is yours. Lord Jesus, we receive these things. We receive your goodness.